0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The conservative review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, and all that matters here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today. It is Tuesday and it is another great day to fight for liberty. And liberty really all begins in your own community and more importantly, your own family. One of the biggest things that we learned from COVID, one of the many demonic tools that are being used to control you is you know trying to utilize public health and public health emergencies to control your body, mind, soul, property, and liberty. And, you know, this is part of the WHO agenda, the federal government, CDC, which is why it's so important that we ban WHO and CDC regulations in the red states. But in order to do that, they need to knock down any impediment to that. We talked about yesterday with the impediment of local governments serving to block the global warming agenda, the fight in South Dakota. So local government is one, but connected with that is really the most local unit of government. The smallest unit of government is a family, you know, parents and children. And I want to pose an interesting thought that maybe you haven't thought about. Most demonic losers, communists, uh, trainees, they're not having too many kids or kids at all. Okay, I mean, by definition, it's self-sorting this whole gay lifestyle where these you have these urban women uh, going to graduate school until they're 40 and never getting married now. Um, You know, it's kind of self-sorting. Liberals don't like having families, so they don't have families. So in many respects, you guys are more powerful than you think because you have an outsized share on the future. Those of you who have families. Because you hold the keys to the next generation. A parents' rights revolution is something we can work on independent of the presidential campaign, the false dichotomy between the two parties that are really one. And this is where the fault line is. If we fight for parental rights in healthcare and education in particular, in red states, we will go a long way to fortifying that Noah's Ark that we need that if we can't save the country, which we probably can't, we can at least save our own families, our own communities, at least in certain areas that aren't already, you know, where, where the bastards aren't already in, 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 breaching the gates. Where they haven't yet, you can be that Ezekiel, 2230 men standing in the breach to build that wall. And they're right at that breach. What they're trying to do is create this demonic one health to control your children's health care. Okay? And they're using both the healthcare system and particularly mixing it with the education system. They're trying to turn schools into playgrounds for this public health and then shut out the parents from any transparency, both the decision making and also access to medical records. Of children. So I want to go around the map. We're going to start with Wyoming, talk about some legislation elsewhere, and then we're going to have a special guest from New Hampshire, a longtime fan and listener of the show who served in the legislature there, to talk about her initiative she's working on against these school based health clinics being set up in red states by CDC through grant money. Um, First, I want to just start off by prefacing just You know, aside from healthcare and education of children, the general fight that we have in red states, what we're fighting for. Federal Farmer number two. Federal Farmer was uh, one of the big anti-federalist writers. Uh, You know, it's kind of a dispute as to who wrote Federal Farmer. It was written just a couple weeks after the convention adopted the Constitution and raised concerns about a large national government. And and more than, you know, know, obviously we talk about tyranny of a large centralized bureaucracy, which was certainly a concern of the anti-federalists. But they raised an interesting concern about what that government would represent, that it would rope in a scope of demography of, of citizens that are just really too diverse to be of one mind that you could properly safeguard liberty. I've talked about this principle before and and I just want to repeat this as we talk about how red states aren't red and the imperative to make them red and still assert our majority opinion of the citizenry upon them. So you know you go back to America of the 17 you know 1790 1787. And it was pretty homogenous. <laughs> okay, you didn't have diversity of people thinking a man's a woman, a criminal's a victim. That uh, it's child abuse to uh, not give your kid a castration and an mRNA shot. But somehow it's not child abuse to uh, mask your kids. We, we didn't have such diversity of thought. And you know, largely, the people were really very similar. Uh, George Washington, famously in his farewell address, said that your citizens by birth or choice of a community, of, of a common country, that country has a right to concentrate your affections. The name of American, which belongs to you in your national capacity, must always exalt the just pride of patriotism more than any appellation derived from local discriminations. And the reason why he was able to say that is because on a national level, he said, with slight shades of difference, you have the same religion, manners, habits, and political principles. You have in a common cause fought and triumphed together. The independence and liberty you possess are the work of joint councils, joint efforts of common danger, sufferings, and successes. And he was extolling the nascent federal government. He felt that it was common enough you know, with slight shades of difference. And the reason why I'm prefacing it with George Washington is because even if you disagreed with the anti-federalist premonition at the time, everyone would agree by a mile, George Washington would have agreed by a mile that we don't have a common cause. Back then, you know, everyone was the same. You you had some, obviously it was a Protestant country, you had some Catholics, small amount of Jews, but even they were really from Europe- and weren't that different. Whereas now, we have a degree of difference in this country, I mean, both from demography and ideology, that is just off the wall, that there is no way you could ever have a country like that. And this was the concern of, so I'm going back to Federal Farmer, even with that common cause ideology demography that George Washington was referencing. They said, let me just read the quote, if a people be so situated or have such different opinions that they cannot agree in ascertaining and fixing them, it is a very strong argument against their attempting to form one entire society to live under one system of laws only. I confess I never thought The people of these states differed essentially in these respects. They have derived all these rights from one common source, the British systems, and having in the formation of their state constitutions discovered that their ideas relative to these rights are very similar. So he conceded that they were pretty similar back then, you know, even from Virginia to Massachusetts to New Jersey. However... It is now said that the states differ so essentially in these respects, and even in the important article of the trial by jury, that when assembled in convention, they can agree to no words by which to establish that trial or by which to ascertain and establish many other of these rights. And, And went on to say, if we so proceed to consolidate the states on no solid basis whatsoever. So, you know federal farmer was pointing out that when the the state started they were kind of the same but by the time the convention came, you had so many fights and you agreed on something but it, you know they felt it was too vague. The rights, for example of a trial by jury weren't enumerated specifically enough just because you know of all the compromises they had to make. So could you imagine they felt that even that degree of commonality, was too diverse to ever have a common cause. And it's it's interesting, you, you look at right now, we can never rectify anything in this country. There's just, there, there, there's too much infighting. And, and that leads me to my point that we're never going to be able to overpower the leftists because we're struggling to overpower their interests in deep red states, even when we have pretty strong commonality. And, you know, we're going to start off with Wyoming today to talk about parental rights you know, I would venture to say that's that's going to be an 80-20, 90-10 issue among the people there. Yet we're struggling to elect enough people to get common-sense legislation passed. We still don't have enough legislators, but thanks to the Wyoming Freedom Caucus, hopefully we're going to have some good primaries and we're exposing these people with the votes like we've never done before, forcing votes. We're finally going to do this. Remember, this is a state that um, gave Trump the vote in both both elections, 2016, 2020, by a margin of over 40 points. Now, we have our issues with Trump, but people voting for Trump didn't vote for him because of his liberal things. It was because of his perceived right-wing beliefs. So we still have enough common cause in these states, especially a state like Wyoming, yet still we can't even get parental consent across. So again, it just underscores, A, the notion that we're never going to fix this country. And B, if we're going to do it, it's got to start in these areas and we are making some progress. And that's got to start with a parental rights revolution in healthcare and education. Um, First, before I forget, our sponsor today, another thing we can do is creating parallel economies. Um, A lot of people don't like changing because It's too hard. Oh, I got my phone. I don't want to change carriers. Okay, you are funding the Chinese. You are funding spying. You are funding every liberal cause imaginable if you are giving giving your money to the axis of evil. T-Mobile, AT&T, or Verizon. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, uh, which means you get the same coverage minus funding the left. It's not hard. You can keep your number, keep your phone. Just call up 972-PATRIOT-TODAY or do it online, patriotmobile.com slash CR. Get free activation when you use offer code CR. Join me today in making the switch that so many uh, thousands of people, uh, Blaze subscribers have done over the last 10 years. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or you won't get, you know, some Indian foreign call service. You'll get a U.S., English-speaking American, 972Patriot, make sure to use promo code CR. So, folks, state of Wyoming, again, 57 to 5 majority in the House, 31 to 2 majority in the Senate, but uh, half the Republicans are basically, essentially a bunch of homosexuals there. They're awful. And they... We can't get anything good past, but we're starting to mark them. And I want I want to get to a couple things that happened yesterday. Last spring, <clears throat> Wyoming parents got a letter in in a uh, Casper, you know, the Casper area, Natrona County, from Banner Health. They run the hospital systems in a couple counties, and they got this notice telling them that anyone who had a respective children that turned 12 informing them they would no longer have access to the patient portal online for their child and the excuse they gave for locking out parents was basically that they have something in law there that be, because they wanted to kids quitting smoking so basically tobacco treatment was shielded from parental consent so because of that they used that as an excuse to basically block them from all online records now they said you could call up and maybe get it but even then they reserved a, a right to sometimes withhold information and if you've noticed this is a trend going on certainly in the blue states but really throughout the country that they're trying to make children autonomous very interesting You know, at a time where, you know, we want people on their parents' health insurance until 25, kids never grow up, you know, welfare, dependency, no rugged individualism. Uh, But, you know, we've noticed this pattern. So notice how coinciding very strategically with, an, with a parallel effort on the care side itself to make sure children could get vaccination without the parents, children could get an abortion without the parents, they can get uh, castration. All, of, all three of those things have been a parallel effort. Notice how they're also trying to make it that parents are in the dark about their medical records. This is all by design. My friend, uh, Representative Jeanette Ward, we've had her on the show before. She has all the medical freedom bills. She introduced HB 44 to repeal the portion of the law that keeps tobacco cessation treatments from parental knowledge, but also ensured that vaccination or medical treatment of a minor um, without parental consent would be illegal. So they they have access to the records, but also you, you can't engage in any of that without parental consent. It was voted down at the House Labor and Health Committee five to four, four Republicans joining the lone Democrat and opposing it. Um, and then she tried to file a motion on the floor to get it re, you know, reassigned to a committee because that committee is awful. The Republicans are literally Democrats, and it was it was beaten out by one vote, 30-31. and Speaker Albert Albert Summers joined with the bad guys. And that's, that's Wyoming for you. So, shockingly, shockingly, I took a listen to some of the clips of the committee hearing. And I want to play a minute here of this guy, Ken Clauston, who is an alleged Republican, on this uh, House Health Committee, justifying the reason for Locking parents out. Take a listen here.
1: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I couldn't agree more that parents need to be involved in the care of their children and have access to those records. What I am hearing here is, you know, when I checked with my local community, it doesn't seem to be an issue, and we're not hearing an issue in Cheyenne. So I always believe in local control, and if this is more of an isolated incident, I don't want to set a law for the whole state. Um, I'm also worried from hearing from the experts that this maybe has some consequences. In a public health emergency that we haven't really contemplate, contemplated in this bill. And
0: I think this bill needs more work and uh, some more safety put on it so we don't do more harm than good. Okay, so I was wondering like, how could anyone justify not having parents involved in their children's health care? And he said, a public health emergency. Wouldn't specify what it is. By the way, first of all, played this game. Oh, I don't see this happening anywhere. So this is the game they all play. They all say our concerns are contrived. But then they wait until it's too late and we can no longer do anything about it. Okay, that's that's the old game there. They wait until we can do nothing about it. So you got to, again, this is Ezekiel 2230. You got to stand in that breach. You got to build the wall before it's kind of like our border where you know we're we're already invaded by 10 million illegals just the last couple of years probably 30 million total same thing with the internal cultural marxist invasion getting their meat hooks into our children's education and health you got to fight this everywhere sometimes you you, you might um you know, when you do this in a red county, a right state, well, we don't really have this. First of all, it's likely not true. You likely have all of this to some level and could get better, but we shouldn't wait. So they play this game, oh, I don't see it as a problem. And then at the same time, basically says he agrees with it. So it's both not a problem, but then even if it is, public health emergency. Notice, Notice that point. Public health emergency. Bookmark that. Now, what sort of public health emergency would ever engender a need to shield children from parental oversight? I think we all know what that means. And notice they, they say the experts. The experts tell us because this is what happens in every red state. All of the, the lobbyists, the healthcare, hospital industry people say, this is needed. This is appalling. Obviously, we know what they mean. They mean things like vaccination, mask wearing, um, balls cutting, abortions, because I don't have the clip in front of me, but the other another Republican on that committee who voted against this, Kevin O'Hearn, he said, quote, we have heard from some professionals that some parents aren't as involved with their children as they should be. There are some parents who need more skills than they actually have. He literally said this is a Republican in Wyoming really a leftist, communist, said that parents don't know what the hell they're talking about and the state and the public health professionals need to um, sort this out for you. So we're clearly not embellishing this problem. Oh, Daniel, it's just they were locked out of some online portal. No, because it's not, it's not like this, like, oh, it's some oversight. They're saying, no, we want it this way. They're literally admitting, and it's not just a matter of accessing an online portal, they're admitting that on the actual care, there might be things that the parents might be too stupid and uninformed to make decisions. So it's not just a matter of an online portal, you have Republicans in a number of states that agree with Democrats that we need the public health professionals to grab your kids and do medical grooming in additional to, to the educational grooming. Okay? Now, stripping parental rights over children's medical treatments and records would be enough of a crime without having this agenda. But we know this agenda does exist. We can't even bar these issues as a standalone in Wyoming, barring castration of minors and things like that. As I noted a couple weeks ago, I talked about this. They voted down Jeanette Ward's other bill to ban, you know, you know Chloe Chloe's law to ban chemical castration. In addition, on February 15, 20 Republicans joined with the Democrats to deny conservatives a two-thirds majority because it's a budget session, so they need two-thirds to pass HB 50, which would have statutorily defined a woman as a woman three of the very committee members who voted down this parental rights bill, Chadwick, Zwanitzer, and Yin, Zwanitzer is a homosexual, he's the committee chair, also voted against this What is a Woman Act. And then furthermore, yesterday, the same day, again, these same members voted against an amendment to the budget bill that would have defunded gender studies in the University of Wyoming. So they believe in grooming. It's not just, oh, like, they vote uh, you know, to, to end the grooming, educational, medical, castration, all this stuff. And then they're like, yeah, we don't need to mess around with the medical records. No, they support that as a standalone. So obviously their opposition to parental control over records is only for one purpose. It's to make sure that there is a seamless conduit from the WHO, CDC, the local and state medical associations and hospitals. And state bureaucrats that should be conservative in a a state like Wyoming but are as demonic as those in California, they have a straight conduit into your children. That's what they want. And and by the way, it's not a coincidence that on the same week that they opposed this, what did they say? We might need uh, parents locked out because of – A public health emergency. Okay? Bookmark that point. A public health emergency. Well, public health emergency. Isn't that interesting? Jeanette Ward also had another bill, she's a real superstar, an amendment to, uh, basically say that a governor cannot unilaterally declare a public health emergency without the consent of the legislature. These same members voted against that. So in other words, they want everything to be a public health emergency. They want them to be able to declare that with ease. Okay. And guess what? Guess what? Once there's a public health emergency, then there's no limit to what they're going to do to your children. I mean it's 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 truly truly disgusting. Truly disgusting. So this is something we need to get a hold of. We need to get ahead of this. We need a parental rights revolution whether it's in education whether it's in healthcare and again we're going to talk about how they're mixing the two. Because obviously public schools is the, you know, most ubiquitous modality that they have just in terms of the hours your kids are in school to control them brainwash them and possibly control their bodies so we have we have some other bills i want to point out um this is a minor issue but it's it's somewhat successful so if you want to replicate this in your state uh look up utah hb 182 hb 182 and by the way whenever you look up a bill make sure you put in 2024 or, you know, make sure it just says that that it's the right session. It could be a bill from a previous session on a different matter. So it's Utah HB 182. It is ready for the governor's signature. It passed conference committee, both sides, both chambers. Um, it's a minor issue, but it's something that basically requires that if any public, any surveys, sometimes they, they, they evidently, they've been giving children surveys where they could ask them, are you transgender? Are you, th-? who knows what they'll collect information on? you have all these public health things that's administered in in school, you need parental consent ahead of time. And and students cannot be punished for opting out of filling out the survey. So that should be signed by the governor there. We have Iowa SF2064 uh, by my friend Senator Kevin Allens, requires parental consent for a minor to get an STD vaccine. So, You know, we have some states, even a couple of red states, where you know, after 16, some even pushed 12. You could get a vaccine. We know San Francisco and uh, DC have done this uh, for COVID shots, but for STD vaccines, they've done this really in a lot of states already. They carved out for that. Evidently, Iowa is one of them, where like you know, because they wanted kids not to be ashamed of their parents that they screwed around, and so they could come in for a vaccine. so that would repeal that provision and make it that parents have to sign off. It did pass the Senate health committee 10 to five. We need to, those of you in Iowa need to pressure the Senate president to make sure that gets a vote and, uh, and that the speaker in the house brings it up as well. Um, We also have stuff in Idaho. I want to go through Idaho SB 1329. Um, Parents have the final say over a child's medical care and cannot be denied medical records. So we need a vote on that in committee uh, SB 1329. That's an important bill. And again, that's a model bill you might want to introduce elsewhere. We have Idaho um, House Bill 493. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'll get to that in a minute. Idaho SB 1287. It bans all CDC and WHO jurisdiction over idaho we need that bill getting a hearing as well um now we do have a bill that passed the house and it's headed to the senate on masks hb 493 that prevents local mask mandates um by the way i mean it's very minimal it does not prevent private and even public it it exempts healthcare settings unlike florida and still 13 Republicans voted no in the House. Now they have a supermajority, so it passed. It's going to the Senate. But again, it just shows how far behind the eight ball we are on this issue. Um, By the way, I just want to go back to uh, Wyoming for a second just to show how crazy this is. One of the big committee chairmen, Representative Lloyd Larson, the same guy who has the fake Chloe's Law that basically only banned physical castration but then had a bunch of exemptions and even for that had no teeth in it no enforcement mechanism and then greenlit chemical castration I'm just going to play a clip for you I I could not believe this is happening this is a republican committee chairman in Wyoming this is the same guy that had that I forget that male that was in the University of Wyoming female sorority praised him had him down on the floor there praising him for civic activism this piece of garbage who needs to be defeated. The Freedom Caucus tried to introduce an amendment to the budget bill to defund state-funded hysterectomies through Medicaid, basically funding sterilization of women. Like, why should we be doing that? Why would we do that? Well, Lloyd Larson has the reason. Take a listen here.
1: And just realize that there's a population that this might serve and help save the state money and help keep people in the workforce that we really need to have.
0: Folks, did you just hear that? Basically, we need to sterilize women so they don't have children to get them back in the, in the workforce. And this is coming full circle. This is what these guys want. They want an androgynous society where you have no kids and the ones you do have are like bots that aren't male or female. Denude parents of their rights over kids that have denuded women of their femininity and motherhood. And again, there's nothing wrong with also trying to work even during those years and certainly not during the child-rearing years. But the notion that that women are 100% like men in terms of valuing a continuity of full-time work that you can never take off to have kids and, and raise them when they're younger, that's what these Republicans believe in. And that's why getting married young Males being masculine, women being super feminine. That's what we need to go back to to having kids and then guarding your control over them from the state. That is all where this matters. And that's why I want to take this to the next level with our next guest. So, folks, healthcare and education, those are the two biggest issues. That is where the left has been winning, really, our entire lifetime. That is going to be the conduit of their meat hooks, their licentious meat hooks to get into your kids and the next generation. And remember, we have more kids than than they do. This is our turf. We should be winning. As I just played for you that quote from that clown in Wyoming who believes that women should get state-funded vasectomies so they can go and make sure there's no interruption in their work. Why do they all want women to work? Well, they want them to have either no kids, or if they do, no involvement in them. You drop them off in a daycare all day and then a public school all day. And then not only do they brainwash them intellectually in the school, but then there's this part of their physical body. Our next guest, Melissa Blosik, longtime friend of the show. She's a former New Hampshire state representative who really spearheaded a lot of the medical freedom bills last term. She's executive director of Rebuild New Hampshire that focuses a lot on parental rights in the realm of education and medical freedom. Has a sharp eye on this problem of school based healthcare clinics, permanent clinics being set up in your schools. To do what exactly, especially in the context of this revolution of shutting parents out of their the medical records of their children, what is going on, Melissa? Thanks so much for joining us today. I guess you don't have to listen.
1: <laughs> I, I will probably go back and listen to the beginning though, because I, I don't miss a show. So you, really you really should. You really
0: should. And you you you've earned this. So again, you follow. Make sure to follow Melissa Blossick. And that's Blossik with a 1S, Melissa Blossik, NH as in New Hampshire on Twitter. Terrific organization, Rebuild New Hampshire. It was born out of uh, one of the original Reopen organizations. So, Melissa, you've been frantic, chomping at the bit, saying this is going on in every red state. They're getting federal COVID funding to set up these health clinics. Describe the legal and financial structure of this program and what exactly is going on in these healthcare clinics.
1: Yeah. They they are coming for your children. (laughs) That's how I'll start this. This was not on my radar until a bill came uh, to the New Hampshire Senate to create sort of the, I call it the rubber stamp, the legal framework uh, for these uh, clinics. But they are already happening. I believe that New Hampshire, from what I can tell from the federal website about this, um, that New Hampshire was the last state to create some of these uh, school-based health clinics, and I think that it's not been something that people have really gone crazy about because they have this sort of, they think back to their days in school, and you know, there were maybe a a vaccine clinic, or maybe I, I remember, you know, getting a scoliosis check, or, and that's what they think of, being healthcare clinics in school, temporary things. That is not what we are talking about. We are talking about full diagnostic uh, clinics being built with surgical capabilities in the room next to your child's classroom. And what, how this all began is it, 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 it's a federal grant. I believe it's a three-year three federal grant um, that, unfortunately, it appears that Superintendents can actually just unilaterally apply for without needing any type of authorization or approval, even from your school board, let alone the taxpayers. And they contract with these big doctor organizations or usually hospitals. Um, these you know, those conglomerates, and they rent space in the schools or sometimes they're actually building additions onto the school for these purposes. This is part of a program. It's called um, Whole Child, Whole Community, Whole School. It's a federal program, and it is just as bad as that sounds.
0: It's on the CDC <laughs> um, website.
1: It, yes, it's just as bad as that sounds. They want to take over Every part of anything that would, quote, impact the education of the (laughs) child, that means emotionally, that means physically, everything that you could possibly imagine, they want to happen in the schools during the school day. Anything that you would normally uh, do in the community with your child now gets done without you there in the school. So that's what's happening. This is the hill to die on is what I keep telling people.
0: No, that certainly does sound like a hill to die on. And the thing is, I've noticed that this creep into children's health and one health, whole health, Mm -hmm. is coinciding with this creeping effort to gradually give children more autonomy. Suddenly, you know, in such a matriarchal society and, uh, you know, we hold kids' hands until they're no longer kids, until they're 25. But suddenly right now... They want to give them autonomy and decision making and shielding uh, them from parental oversight and even accessing of records. So how does that tie into this program?
1: You're completely correct. I mean, um, the left uh, tends to, uh, even in the reddest of states, as you're always talking about, they don't run in with everything all at once. It's one thing and then another and then another so that there's a logical progression. So this is the first step towards taking away your parental rights, right? They're gonna make all of this available um, and say, oh, but there has to be parental consent, right? There has to be parental consent. But now they're going to start taking it away. New York State, I was just reading, they have a set of bills, one in the Senate, one in the House, to remove all parental consent. Um, so, yes, there is definitely a push. And again, this is about, you know, destroying the family. Um, I think it could be possibly more insidious than this if you're saying that children can consent to health care. What can they not consent to? Right. Um, and then uh, on top of that, they've been kind of blatantly, there are a lot of cases with these school-based health clinics where they are completely ignoring even the parental consent laws that exist currently. So there is a case in Maine that is so horrifying. Um, you can find it if you start Googling it a bit, but um, essentially for two years, because this all started in 2020, they started slowly implementing this during lockdowns. Um, and building and planning for it. Um, but there's a case in Maine that for two years, this teenage girl, without her parental c- parents' knowledge, and Maine does have parental consent laws was given three forms of hormonal birth control. By the way, all at the same time, one of them was an implant. So again, they want the surgical capabilities in these schools. And then they kept telling her to keep taking the pills. So she was on this crazy hormonal cocktail, you know, whacked out of her mind, which that makes sense, goes off to the mental health clinic because, you know, there's the the physical, then there's the mental, all in the school. Um, and they diagnosed her with clinical depression and give her Zoloft. So what happens in these schools, by the way, the kids go off, they get their medications in the morning, and then they go off to class. So on Fridays, they were giving her a little, like, Ziploc baggie with her pills, which also violates a ton of laws, but because uh, it was unmarked and unlabeled. And her father, after two years, found that bag in her backpack. That's how it all came out. He goes to the school and, you know, raises hell, pulls the kid out of school because no longer trusts her to be in that school. And they call Child Protective Services on him.
0: Oh my gosh, that leads. Yeah, that leads to the other thing we've been talking about. Again, they file it concurrently on multiple fronts. So they screw you with tightening up the control of Child Family Services and what they can do and the threshold Mm -hmm. that they need to meet to start opening an inquiry and eventually taking a kid and then they start picking multiple fights that could potentially be a point of contention with the state and the parent and getting the kid in between, getting the parents yeah. to have less control, getting them to have more access to your kids. So obviously school is where they're going to have the most access. I want you to go back to the essence of this particular program. What is the fulcrum? What is the legal mechanism for affecting the outcome on this you know rejecting or 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 getting it in other words you're saying that any superintendent you could have a good governor good legislature potentially but a a superintendent within the state could apply to hhs alone Mm -hmm.
1: yes uh yes Uh, now that might depend state to state a little bit depending on how the the legal structure is set up in your particular state about how grants are accepted um so I have a few ideas. Um, so again, this bill, I fought it. It's dead. It's gone. It's buried. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not happening. It's still happening. I just I refuse to have a bill come forward to create a permanent legal structure for it. Right. Um, but next year, we got to start creating serious roadblocks in the way so that this can't happen, or they don't want it to happen. So you have to understand there is a ton of financial incentive um, for to do this. These hospital systems are making money like hand over fist because they basically, they have a completely open and willing population right there at their fingertips by doing this. So um, my suggestion, if you're in a state and you want to start putting up some roadlocks prohibits there being because the other problem when writing a bill like this is that you'll get the the legislators who will say, well, I don't want to outlaw like school health clinics that have always existed, like the ones for the vaccines or ones for like, you know, uh, uh, yeah, scoliosis check or a tick check or whatever. And and you're like, all right, fine. But how do you differentiate? And I say you differentiate by saying that they cannot have any prescribing or surgical capabilities. If they can't prescribe the pills, there's no money in this for them, and they Mm -hmm. won't want to do it. So you immediately say that no one in schools may prescribe anything. No one in schools may ever perform any type of surgical whatever, okay? And then on top of that, I do believe, and I actually think this is part of a bigger issue because it has always been the case that the federal government has been poisoning, this has been going on for a long time, poisoning public schools With these grants and they're not even always that much money but they always have strings attached they always get them addicted to whatever this teeny little bit of money is just for a few years and then when the grant is over that gets shoved into the school budget and your property taxes go up okay so this Mm. is like like a much bigger issue and i think that we really need to start going and figuring out all the different ways that grants are accepted in your state and start putting up some roadblocks. I like I'm going to say the first one here with this particular issue is to say anything that has to do with healthcare in schools any grant must be approved by the legislature.
0: Yes, yes. No, I mean that that that's where it needs to be. You can't have this seamless flow and this is what we've been talking about. They want from the WHO and CDC a seamless flow from the, you know the globalist Agenda to your Mm -hmm. kids, no Mm -hmm. local government barrier, no parental barrier. Um, And they're, yeah, again, they're doing this with the global warming stuff. They're doing this with the green energy. That is the name of the game. The way to fight globalism is with localism. And like I started out the show, Mm -hmm. the most local unit of government is the parent, the parents um, in a family. And that's why they are yeah. declaring war on it. And, that That's a really, and, and that's a really I, good idea. I know that
1: you know this, Daniel, but um, I want to make this clear for your audience. Your legislators might, if you come up with an idea like that saying it has to be approved by the legislature, they'll come in and they'll say local control, local control. No, the most local control is the, in, the individual. And in this case, the parents. Yep. And if those rights are not being respected, then it is the job of the legislature to step in and exactly. protect the rights of the most local, which is the individual.
0: Exactly, because, again, let, let's not forget, you have the local, let's say, some random liberal superintendent, but then it's not coming from that guy's uh, generosity. It's coming from the feds. So right. that's the thing. They need to stand athwart, the feds and, and the WHO and and this One Health agenda which you know, all these red state health departments are promoting on their websites, that's really where this is at. Um, how much money are we talking? I mean, do you know how much this three-year grant was, or does it depend by state? I
1: actually don't know. I think it depends on maybe the size of the school. I, I, I think it's different depending. So, no, I don't know. But it does seem to be enough for them, because I can tell you there's four right now in New Hampshire. Or I think there's three and one coming. Um, and they've, you know, done remodeling additions, all of this kind of stuff to work with this hospital.
0: So I don't, I don't get it. Was this signed off in the cares act? Was, was there something that a governor had to, had to approve or was it just part nope. and parcel? Of it has the... nothing
1: to do with the States. No, has nothing to do with the States at all. Um, and I, I I'm not—I actually don't know what piece of uh, federal legislation, you know, created this program. I do know that it did happen in 2020, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the CARES Act.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, there was just so much funding. And obviously, it was very loose. It's not like it's all in the CARES Act. They throw a bunch of of money at HHS and says, hey, this is for, you know, uh, pr- protecting public health in the states. <laughs> so, right. you know, basically, they could right. just— write it out to them and do anything they want. And I suspect this is probably not the only odious program uh, we need to keep track of here. <laughs>
1: probably not. Probably not. And I can tell you when I went to the bill hearing for this bill, the Democrats were giddy about it. I I, I mean, truly giddy. And um, they start talking about how, I mean, this is their argument, right? Oh, but this is going to be so great for the poor kids, the poor kids. And so I got yeah. up there and I said, don't we have Medicaid? I guess I'm confused. Why do we need to double dip? And, and so this one Democrat senator um, starts giving me this lecture about how, well, you know, poor people don't own cars. And so they can't get to a doctor to use their Medicaid. And I'm like, this is New Hampshire. We have like the highest standard of living in the entire country. This is not an argument. What are you talking about? <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that, that's that's the thing they fall for every time. Um, yeah. You know, the the same thing that we need to cover vasectomies in in Wyoming as well. Uh, they know exactly what they're doing there, and uh, oh, yeah. they're bringing oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it oh, yeah. right. And, and and by the way, that's what they want because they wanted eventually that the parents wouldn't even get billed for it because then they'd know about it. So this way you just have it covered, uh, you know, just straight up covered by government, just like COVID vaccines.
1: Oh, yeah. And and that's the, uh, my other argument against these school-based healthcare systems is, is currently, <laughs> currently, again, there's a lot of HIPAA violations going on with these things. OK, um, but currently they're not they don't have access to these children's medical records and now they're going to treat them. What are we talking about? That's crazy. That's dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, but it, it, again, HIPAA violations all all over. So now the kids again are going to have two sets of medical records. I mean, it's very confusing.
0: But but are, are you sure about that? You're telling me that there are actual doctors or nurse practitioners with prescribing authority in these schools. Yes. So so that means because yeah. there's it's also the mental health yeah. aspect that, you know, uh, every kid is doped up on on 50 million things nowadays. So normally it's of the parent's volition. But here the school can maybe set a policy. All right, your kid looks like he needs this. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and again, like you're saying, eventually it it will initially start out with probably parental consent. But once you have that Trojan horse there, and then we're seeing the parallel effort to weaken parental access to portals, we know exactly where it's headed.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about that—the the parental access to portals and like the, all the federal issues with that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so that's that that's important because they use HIPAA. It's funny whenever whenever you want it, it's like you know you have a dying parent or something, and a kid wants to access sometimes, and you have so many issues. Whenever mm-hmm. they want to use HIPAA to lock you out, they do. But then uh, you know, vice versa, they violate it oh, when yeah. they want. So um. So yeah, obviously you heard about what was going on in Wyoming. We couldn't even get. Um, a majority in the Wyoming House to simply stop this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this this uh, new trend in in certain health systems in eastern Wyoming where they were sending out letters saying, "Oh, your kid turned twelve, so they were locked out of their portal." What's going on with that?
1: Yeah. So what we had a bill because um, this was happening here; it's happening everywhere, and uh, we had a bill last year to require the parents to have access to the medical records. Now, ultimately, the bill didn't go anywhere because when we dove into it, we discovered that HIPAA already requires that the parent have full access to medical records. So if you go to any doctor and demand your child's medical records at any age under 18, they have to give it to you. However, they have to give it to you with certain things redacted federal law requires that over the age of 12, that there be certain things that children can consent to without parental permission. And your state might have other requirements even on top of that. New Hampshire has one, it seems. Um, so uh, so we're talking things like um, substance abuse treatment. Yeah. Um, that's required by a federal law. Um, There's a certain amount of, of mental health availability, um, that has to be required. There is a certain amount of, um, like birth control education, not access, but education that has to be required. And then in New Hampshire, on top of that, a child um, can, without parental consent, uh, get treated for an STD. So uh, what the medical record after the age of 12 will have everything about your child except for anything related to those instances that would be redacted. Supposedly, the issue with the portals is that the portals don't know how to do that, it kind of needs a human to do that and to make those judgments about what applies to what. And so what hospital systems and these major doctor conglomerates have started doing is just saying like, all right, um, I don't want to deal with this. So, so you are just out. locking the pa- Right. You're just locked out. Um, Now, there was supposedly that we we killed the bill last year because the federal government was supposedly going to solve this problem, which, of course, they didn't. But there was something in the CARES Act that had to do with saying that you can't have difficult access to your medical records. Like you can't call uh, Hawaii where your medical records are. And they're like, oh, you have to come here in person to get it. No. But they were going to look into this particular issue when it came to children. And of course, they, quote, said, this is so typical of government. They studied it and came back with, uh, oh, do, we don't know what to do. We're just going to throw our hands up and say there's nothing to be done about it. So um, I personally still think that you, we could make a law, and red states like Wyoming absolutely should still be making a law saying that you have full access to your child's Portals. That's, this is insane. This seems like, not, it seems like an excuse more than a problem. I, I, exactly. You know what I'm no,
0: saying? Every, everything is the feds or the money or this will be cut off. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's nonstop mm-hmm. uh, excuses yeah, not to my, do the right what thing. What I
1: loved about the Wyoming bill was his excuse about uh, the public health emergency. And I'm like, so vax them all? Is that that we're talking about? And by the way, <laughs> like, that same guy yeah, just, no, just voted
0: <laughs> against um having the legislature have to consent to such an emergency. So they're gonna ensure oh, that there's you know that's
1: my big issue. That mm-hmm. there's more of them. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, before I let you go, are there are there any other kind of model bills, ideas that you're working on New Hampshire that you think some of our activists could push elsewhere?
1: Um, I have one and I have a warning. Uh, another, another warning thing to look out for. For whatever reason this year, there seems to be this big push to, as you were t- talking about with Family Court and uh, Child Protective Services, to change our child abuse laws. And
0: mm.
1: number one, they're adding in uh, a mental and emotional health as being a factor for abuse, uh, which is incredibly subjective um, and difficult to yep. measure. Um, also, remember, like a third of all point. kids
0: have have mental health issues right. now. So
1: Right. Uh, well, exactly. And then there's this other push to say, okay, so right now, if CPS comes to your door without a warrant, you can tell them to go pound sands and come back with you have a warrant, right? That, if this one bill of ours passes, would now be grounds to remove your child from the home. Your demanding that you have due process would now be considered to be abuse.
0: Wait, is that a Democrat bill?
1: <clears throat> it's bipartisan.
0: Oh, okay, as always. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I know. Exactly. So that's a warning. Um, A model is HB 1156. And this is a bill. This is a state nullification bill um, to say that the state will not enforce the state and its localities will not enforce any mandate from the CDC or the WHO.
0: Yep. And we we have that that one's very important. so, So HB 1156. We also have Idaho SB 1287. We're trying to get across as well. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that is something, you know, Florida has done it on the WHO. We need to get the CDC part. But yeah, I mean, folks, you you, you got to go in your states and raise hell about this. We have to end this notion of school based public health uh, clinics with with, you know, uh, capabilities to prescribe and perform surgeries. This is absolutely nuts. You put this all together. It's quite evident where they're going. And just remember, I mean, the the edifice that they built with COVID is not just going to go away on its own. Um, they were so successful at it, why would they just walk away from it? And, uh, you know, it's it's very slow progress, but people like Melissa are really helping. Um, where could people find out more about your work? Just on Twitter?
1: Um, yes, yeah, so I'm at Melissa Blossack, NH, but also follow um, at Rebuild NH. Uh, you can also go on our, uh, our website, rebuildnh.com. Um, and you can help figure, maybe, you know, we can help you figure out how you could do the same in your state. Um, if you're in New Hampshire, please get involved. I am the, you know, a lobbyist for Liberty is what I like to say. I'm the watchdog for you because I don't have any financial interests and I'm funded completely by small grassroots donations. And, um, that's what we need. We need people in there who are just there for Liberty.
0: That is the model. Rebuild New Hampshire. We need these strike force teams in every state to be vigilant you'd be shocked at the difference you could make just exposing some of these things that people didn't know about remember in most areas don't don't even need super majority um of people who think like us but these things are so demonic they can only uh survive in the darkness they really can only survive that way because they're just so i mean it's like ooh, some puppies for your kids here. I mean, that's that's literally what it is. It's, it's this medical grooming that is so insidious that most parents uh, certainly would be opposed to it if they would know about it. We just have to uh, make people aware of it and fight it. So again, Melissa, uh, thanks so much. Now go back and listen out of order to the first part. We'll be speaking very soon. Take care.
1: All right, bye-bye.
0: Okay, folks, So that was Melissa Blosick, uh, again, a real friend of the show and terrific, super local activist, really a model of what we need. Um, really miss her uh, being in the legislature, but she's doing a lot of great work uh, just uh, lobbying for liberty and being that watchdog. Again, you could be that man in the breach, okay? It is not that hard. You just get a couple people together, join one of our Liberty Strike Force teams. Let's do this in all the states. It's Child Protective Services. It's in education. It's in in HHS. It's in medical records. We need to fill in those gaps. Make sure we prevent... we, We, first of all, heal ourselves, fill in those breaches, and then inoculate ourselves. We have vaccines for liberty. Um, it all starts with parenting and the next generation of children. It's education. It's healthcare. We need this revolution today. Let me know your thoughts and comments, your questions from Melissa and our other guests at DanielHurowitz at com, Folks, till tomorrow, Ezekiel 2032. God bless you all. Thank you for listening.